0: Good morning. Good morning. Do all things for the sake of the gospel.
1: So may we share in the blessings of God.
0: My name is Bill Hasselbarth, and I will be serving as the liturgist for this morning's service. And I offer you grace and peace from God, the Creator, and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. Welcome home. In this place this morning you are at home, home among the faithful and the seeking, the privileged and the shunned, the hopeful and the despairing. We gather together here, all of us, from many homes into this one home where we witness to the gift of the Incarnation, living into the light of Christ, who came to teach us, to save us, to redeem us, to love all of us more than we could ever imagine possible. And so, friends, welcome home. I want to extend a special welcome this morning to any visitors with us and to all of those who have joined us online. We are so glad you have chosen to worship with us. As we begin our worship each week, we light the Christ candle. Every time we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew, that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. We have a lot going on in the life of our congregation, so please take some time to review the insert in your bulletin. I have a couple of things uh, to lift up. Uh, First, please notice this yellow insert
1: in your bulletin. in an effort to reduce uh, unnecessary costs, we're considering changing how we distribute offering envelopes next year. Um, so, if you would like to con- continue receiving envelopes each year, please indicate. Um, and if not, please indicate that and put this uh, in uh, the offering plate or drop it off in the church office um, so that we can um, get an accurate number. Um, second of all, we are celebrating our 200th anniversary this year uh, as a congregation of the Presbyterian Church. Um, we will be celebrating that on May 19th. Um, so we have decided that we are going to do a mission-minded collection to help celebrate our 200th anniversary. Our hope and we are inviting the community and other churches in uh, the community to help us with this, is to collect 200 uh, items of 200 pieces of each item that are listed in the bulletin. That's how I wanted to say that, yeah. Um, We're looking for vegetable oil, regular coffee, uh, juice, spaghetti sauce, peanut butter, single-serving cereal, uh, microwave ravioli, Microwave mac and cheese, tuna or chicken in a pouch, and any canned fruit. If we can collect 200 of each of those items, we will have collected 2,000 items. I know we can do this. We've done big projects in the past. This is a drop in the bucket. Um, So put this list on uh, on your refrigerator or wherever you create your shopping list each week. Um, and grab a little bit extra uh, so that we can collect and really bless the Gilderland Food Pantry. Uh, That would be wonderful. Um, The last thing that I want to share is uh, next week, one week from Wednesday, begins Lent already. (laughs) Um, On Valentine's Day, we will be having Ash Wednesday. So I will be, when we do the the imposition of the ashes, I will be drawing in hearts instead of crosses. Um, But we will be having an Ash Wednesday service uh, here in the sanctuary at 7 o'clock that Wednesday evening. Um, Perhaps come here and then go out for your Valentine's Day date, Um, but... um, All are welcome. We would love to have you here to uh, start off uh, this very special uh, and contemplative season. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to reflect on the prompt that is in your bulletin. There are times when we all feel that we have lost our zest for life, our inspiration, our motivation. So as we listen to the prelude, I invite you to sit quietly and reflect on a time when this has happened to you. Perhaps you are going through this right now. How did you come out of it, or what could help you come out of it? What would help that situation?
0: Let us now rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. Who is like our God? Who names the stars?
1: Great is our God. Give God all praise.
0: Who is like our God? Who knows our names?
1: Gracious is our God. Give God our love.
0: Let us join now our voices together as we sing hymn number 463, How Firm a Foundation. Let us pray. Amazing God, you created this marvelous earth, made to sustain all living things, and made it beautiful, delighting our senses. Beautiful Jesus, you joined us on earth. Although we ruined ourselves through our arrogance and violence, you taught us with parables and healing how to restore relationship with God. Powerful Holy Spirit, Give us the power and love of Jesus to keep walking the good walk and doing our part in restoring this beautiful world. Amen. Please be seated. Friends in faith, as we reflect on home, we recognize that home life is sometimes fraught with tension and not always a place of harmony. Not everyone is fortunate to live in homes that are safe or in communities that are welcoming or in areas where resources are available plentifully and shared equally. Acknowledging this and confessing our participation is the first step toward creating wholeness and reconciliation. Mindful of all of this, let us now pray together. Holy Holy God. Forgive us when we upset the balance of our home by pushing self-interested ideas or failing to hold in check parts of our personality that can sometimes create a difficult atmosphere and draw others into an unhealthy tension. Forgive us when we too readily take for granted the lives we have and when we are slow to recognize that some people live lives very different from our own. Forgive us when we are too slow to respond to the needs of those we live with, and too reticent to recognize the needs of others in our communities and world. Forgive us when we turn away and ignore the problems we have in our communities
1: and world where people have no sense of a happy home life, where people live in areas of the world where home means for them a place
0: of violence and tension.
1: Lord, turn our attention
0: to the failings of our own lives and the failings of the systems, tensions, and patterns of our world that result
1: in people struggling to know home as a place of love. In your name we pray.
0: Amen. Friends, let us recognize this day that we can and should do more. Let us not dwell on the impossibility of change, but instead let us believe in the possibility of change. That through our faithfulness and by God's Spirit, we can make the communities we live in and the world better places for all. Thanks be to God. Beloved, the one who lifts the lowly and brings down the mighty, offers us a peace that passes all understanding. Claim the promise of this peace as you share God's greetings in Christ's name. The peace of Christ be with you all.
1: And also with you. Peace be with you all. And as we share this peace with each other, I would invite any young people to come forward for a children's message.
2: Surprise, I'm doing the children's message. (laughs) Good morning. How are you? Good. So this morning I brought this book to church. This book is called Who is My Neighbor? And this is one of Atticus's books, and we read it a lot, right? And it's a really good way to explain the story of the Good Samaritan and talk about who is our neighbor, But today, I want to read just a couple pages of it, not the whole thing, because it's kind of long, but just a couple pages of it, because it's going to help us talk about something else, all right? So, Who is My Neighbor? By Amy Jill Levine and Sandy Eisenberg Sasso. Once there was a town where only blues lived. There were navy and indigo, aqua and sapphire, powder blue and midnight blue. They planted irises and forget-me-nots and feasted on blueberries and blue cheese. They sailed on blue waters. Blue jays perched on branches and brilliant blue cracker butterflies shimmered. The blues thought they were the coolest colors. The yellows lived in a different town. There were gold and bronze, lemon and mustard, canary and pale yellow. They planted sunflowers and daffodils and feasted on bananas and butterscotch pudding. They traveled on yellow brick roads. Goldfinches perched on branches and busy yellow jackets buzzed. The yellows thought they were the hottest colors. The blues and yellows did not like each other very much. Be careful of the yellows. We are better than they are. They are not our neighbors. They warned their children not to go near the others. Be careful of the blues. We are better than they are. They are not our neighbors. For years, the blues said there was no such thing as a good yellow. And the yellows said there was no such thing as a good blue. So, in that story, how are the blues and yellows treating each other? Badly. They're judging each other, aren't they? And what are they judging each other on? Like, what is making them judge each other? Are the blues really, really bad people and that's why the yellows don't like them? No. Why don't the blues like the yellows? They think they're cooler than they are. And why do the yellows not like the blues? They think they're hotter than they are. They're judging each other because they're different, right? Yeah. So judging is not always like a bad thing. Like yesterday, you had your Taekwondo lesson, right? And there were judges there. And they were judging you on how well you did your kicks and your punches and you broke your board, right? And, like, if mom is at work and maybe I asked for a raise or a promotion, my boss would probably judge my work, right? So sometimes judging isn't bad. But how do you think the blues felt when the yellows didn't want anything to do with them? sad. And how do you think the yellows felt when the blues didn't want anything to do with them? Sad. So judging other people can also make them feel really upset, right? Do you know that in the Bible, some people judge Jesus? Did you know that? And they were people that lived in his same town they had known him his whole life and they didn't judge him because Jesus did anything wrong they judged Jesus because of Jesus's job do you remember what Jesus's job was what did he do he worked with wood so he was a he was a carpenter he was a carpenter. And the people in his town judged him because they thought, that's not a very important job. And they judged Jesus because of who his family was and where he had come from and his mom. And how do you think that made Jesus feel? Sad. Sad. You know, in February, this month, do you know what's special about this month? Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day yes. Yes. What are we celebrating all month long? We celebrate Jesus all the time,
3: yes.
2: (laughs) You brought home a book the other day about Martin Luther King because it's what? It's Black History Month. And do you know that there was a time not very long ago when people judged black people, African Americans, just based on the color of their skin? Yeah. Yeah. And they treated them pretty terribly, didn't they? And you know, next month, March, is Women's History Month. And do you know that there was a time, not too long ago, when women were judged too, just because they're not men? Women were judged... They thought, oh, women are so weak, or maybe they're not smart enough, not as smart as a man, and so women were judged too. So there's a lot of judging that goes on in our world, isn't there? Now, if someone is judging you based off of your skin color or where you live or your family, what would you do? What do you think? You don't know. Sometimes I think people stand up to the bullies, right? Sometimes I think people say, hey, that's not nice, or no, thank you. I don't like that, right? Do you think that's what Jesus did in the story? You don't know. Guess what Jesus did when they were judging him and they were saying all those mean things about him. Jesus walked away. He did. He walked away because he knew that he had more important things to do, that his disciples and him, they had work to do for God. And so he, he just left the people that were judging him and walked away. And in the Bible, he said, shake the dust from your feet, meaning shake it off. You know how when you fall, and then we pick you up, and we brush your shoulders, and we say, oh, you're okay, right? And we dust you off. That's what Jesus was saying, too. Jesus was saying, sometimes we stand up to the bullies. But other times, it's okay to walk away. Because you know that you have more important things to do that God has called you to do. Yeah. So... I'm wondering, will you pray with me? Okay. Dear Jesus, forgive us for all the times where we judge other people, and thank you for this story in the Bible where you show us how we can respond when people judge us. And help us to remember that all people are equal in your sight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Let us pray. Speak to us this day, O Lord, with the breath of your holy spirit. We know your voice is powerful enough to shake the mountains and to bring creation out of nothingness. Today, may it be loud enough that we let go of our assumptions and quiet enough that we hear your truth deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 6 beginning to read at verse 1. And I'm not going to read all the way through verse 29. If you really want to read, a bit, hear about the uh, beheading of John the Baptist, we can talk later. <laughs> Listen for the word of God. He left that place and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went out among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. In any place, if any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. In her memoir, Crying in H Mart, Michelle Zahner reflects on her mother's diagnosis and death from cancer and wrestles with their complicated relationship. Her mother, a Korean immigrant, married her father, a white man from the U.S., and part of her struggle lies at the intersection of these two cultures as a biracial daughter. In one of the chapters, she remembers visiting South Korea alone for the first time to visit her mother's sister. She talks about the magic of spending time with this single aunt, the food, the gossiping. However, after her aunt dies from cancer at the too young age of 50, she finds that any time she visits Korea, the sheen of nostalgia has dissipated, and instead a painful grief remains. This is something that becomes even more exacerbated after her mother's death. When I was in my 20s, I had the opportunity to visit my old elementary school. In my mind, the old wooden playground was a magical, never-ending structure filled with hidden crevices and endless mysteries. In adulthood, this playground struck me as ordinary unremarkable, plain. In many ways, sometimes going home again can offer the opportunity to remove the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia and to put on the lenses of adulthood. After all, those are the ones through which we see the stark reality of our world. The harsh truth that I learned that day was that sometimes nostalgia is best left in the past. In many ways, we can see Jesus return to Nazareth in a similar light. This is not the first time in Mark's gospel that Jesus has entered his hometown, but it is the first that he enters his hometown synagogue. In Luke, this scene takes place at the beginning of his public ministry, while Mark first takes us through some successful teaching and healing moments in the surrounding neighborhoods and foothills, as if to set up the vast difference of this encounter. Because here, there will be no success. And really, I don't think this is what Jesus expected. I think he really thought to be welcomed home with open arms. And if not celebrated, at least listened to, approved of even. But when he isn't, he was amazed at their unbelief. Maybe it wasn't so much that they rejected him, but the violent way in which they do so. In Luke, they try to throw him off a cliff. Doesn't get much more violent than that. But here he is. He's one of them. He grew up among them. He intimately knew them, because it is a small town after all. And I think we all know what small towns like Nazareth are like. Everyone knows everyone, and everyone knows everyone's business. They know him, and yet they refer to him in insulting ways. Is not this the carpenter? A profession at the bottom of the social structure of first century Israel? They ranked even below peasant farmers. Is not this the son of Mary? Now in first century Israel, this would have been the biggest slight of them all, ignoring any mention of a father figure, basically declaring him a bastard born illegitimately. The most scandalous of offenses. Dr. Emerson Powery reminds us that this is an honor-shame society, and much of what takes place in Nazareth is based on this. Prophets would have received honor, but the traditional wisdom of the age was that this occurred generally in places in which prophets were less familiar. Really, they're trying to cut Jesus down to size, perhaps feeling that maybe he's gotten a little too big for his britches. In a social system where status was understood as fixed, i.e. your status at birth defined who you would always be, and honor and shame considerations were important, did they simply regard it as impossible for Jesus to amount to anything? The people of Nazareth indicate this negative perception when they identify Jesus as a carpenter, a low-status manual labor, and as the son of Mary, hinting at questionable fatherhood. At the same time, the story in Nazareth sets up the mission for the Twelve. He sends them out with authority over the unclean spirits. When you go, he says, you'll be welcomed in some places, not welcomed in others. In some places your words will take root and bloom, but in others they'll fall on deaf ears. Be ready for both. And really, we're talking about human nature, aren't we? It's the reality of the situation. Sometimes people just won't believe. Sometimes people just won't come. What's important is that those deaf ears and those absent people don't stop the mission. They don't halt the forward progress of the Jesus movement. Now, it's also worth noting here that this is the last time in Mark's gospel that Jesus enters a place of worship until he enters Jerusalem, when he enters the temple to cleanse it. Until then, he's working outside the institution, on the road, in the countryside, in people's homes. All of the associations of the past, synagogue, hometown, even family, will not determine the future. The status quo will be overturned in the reign of God. In the Jesus movement, it is the future, not the past, which determines actions in the present. The future reign of God constitutes the way, which is to be lived now. If we think the ministry of the church is only able to be done within these four walls, we're living wearing the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. If we won't try things because we've tried something like that before and it didn't work, we're letting the past dictate our present. If we try to force people into the molds that we were cast in, We're only going to push them away. Jesus prepared his disciples for a long journey by telling them simply to take a staff and sandals. What about a toothbrush, Jesus? What about a towel so that I can wash up at night? Nope. Staff and sandals. It was a journey that would exist with rejection in some places. It was a journey that depended on the possible hospitality of strangers. Nothing was guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. In fact, don't we as Christians today live similarly defenseless in a world where security and status are calculated commodities? Or perhaps we have swept under the rug just who we are called to be in exchange for those securities and that status. It does feel as if we are living in a world that echoes the culture of Nazareth in Jesus' day. A culture that is, at best, disinterested in Jesus. Yet Christ reminds us here that Those who are disinterested are not our enemy. The Jesus movement simply avoids them and leaves them to their own devices. Shake off the dust. The opposition is isolated, keeping the movement positive and on a forward trajectory. To live faithful lives in Christ, we must be open to the ways God calls us to teach and heal this world. And this call is constantly shifting, but the mission remains the same, where God's whispering is heard, and when we are fed at his table, our hearts are broken open to go forth and change the world. Amen. I'm going to invite Bruce to come forward. Please join me in our sentences of scripture. There are varieties of gifts, but it is the same spirit who gives them.
3: There are ways of God. But
1: to serve. God works through each person in a unique way, but it is God's purpose that is accomplished. To reach, to the the
3: Spirit,
1: the Together, we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are all called into the Church of Jesus Christ by baptism and we are marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling, to be disciples of Jesus Christ and servants of our servant Lord. Within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as deacons, as ruling elders, and as ministers of word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us. Through ordination, God provides for acts of care and compassion out in the world, for the ordering and governance of the Church, and for the preaching of the Word and the celebration of the
4: sacraments. Representing the, holy, the one holy Catholic and apostolic Church, the Session of Hamilton Union Presbyterian Church now installs to active service those who have been previously ordained. Ruling Elders Debbie Wagner, Trudy Hutchinson, and Diane Irwin.
1: Would you all come forward? As God calls some to particular forms of ministry, God calls us all to bear gladly the yoke of Christ given in the covenant of baptism. Let us therefore reaffirm our baptismal vows, renouncing all that opposes God and God's rule, and affirming the faith of the holy Catholic Church. Debbie, Trudy, Diane, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? I do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior? trusting in his grace and love. I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? I will with God's self. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we as a whole church confess our faith. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty. and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is
3: right to give our thanks and praise.
1: O Lord our God, we are filled with thanksgiving and praise, blessing and honor and glory, for your gift of water sustaining all life. We thank you for the gift of all water formed in the creation of the world. We praise you for the gift of fresh water, Sustaining your people in the wilderness. We bless you for the gift of healing water, delivering Naaman from his illness. We honor you for the gift of living water offered to the woman at the well. We praise you for the gift of spirit filled water poured out on Jesus in his baptism at the Jordan and poured out upon us in the church. Through this water, you have washed away our sins and claimed us as your own in the body of Christ. By your grace, continue to renew and restore us, that we may live as your chosen people in this world you love so much. All thanks and praise and blessing and honor and glory be yours, O Lord, this day and forevermore. Amen. Remember your baptism and be thankful. In the name of God, the Creator, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, in baptism you were claimed by the love of God, clothed in the grace of Jesus Christ, and anointed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to share Christ's mission in the world. Now you are called by God through the voice of the church for new service in ministry in Jesus' name. In accordance with the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA, show your commitment to this calling by responding to these questions. Do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? I do, and I will. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ? Under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's Word and Spirit? I will. Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Thank you. Thank you. Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, love, and humor? You. <laughs> will you be a faithful ruling elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love? And justice of Jesus Christ? I
4: will. Do we, the members of the church, accept these friends in faith as ruling elders, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? If so, please respond by saying we do. We do. Do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to assist them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ? Who alone is the head of the church? If so, please reply, we do. We do.
1: Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, with joy we give you thanks and praise throughout the ages and in every place you have chosen servants from among your people to point the way to salvation by your grace. We praise you for Jesus Christ who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life to set others free. Anointed by your Holy Spirit, he proclaimed your reign on earth, revealing your saving love in all he said and did. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your servants, Debbie, Trudy, and Diane, as they continue in the ministry to which you have called them. Help them to rely on the gifts of your spirit and to follow Christ faithfully in this calling. Give each of these, your servants, a spirit of truthfulness that they may show the compassion, of Christ, in the actions of daily living, and rightly govern your people. In the walk of faith and for the work of ministry, give to all your servants gladness and strength, discipline and hope, humility, humor and courage, and an abiding sense of your presence. God of love and God of hope, pour out your spirit of power and truth that we may be for you a holy people, baptized to serve you in the world. Sustain your church and ministry, ground us in the gospel, secure our hope in Christ, strengthen our service to the outcast, and increase our love for one another. Show us the transforming power of your grace in our life together, that we may be effective servants of the gospel, offering a compelling witness in the world to the good news of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Debbie, Trudy, Diane, You already were and you continue to be ruling elders, ordained to ministries of service and governance in the church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Amen.
4: Our charge comes from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. Friends, the apostle writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. You are installed. Amen. (laughs) Congratulations. In just a couple of moments, you will be invited to come forward to receive communion. I would invite you to come down by the center aisle. I will hand you a piece of bread, and then you will be invited to take a cup. You can eat the bread uh, here or take it with you, but take the cup and return to your seats uh, to drink when you are ready. And just a reminder that all of our bread is gluten free so that all can feel welcome at this table. And we use only grape juice. Beloved, Jesus wants to feed our souls, Jesus wants to heal our bodies so the sick can walk and that those who walk can run. With Jesus, there is time for the healing of everyone. There is no need to push others away. We are not fighting for a limited resource. Come, confident that you have a place and carry others with you. They too have a place. Come, for all things are now ready. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, for all that you have done for us. You created this world and all that is in it. You made us as human beings in your own image. You called us to live in community with you. Even when we turned away from you, you never withheld your love from us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, your son and our savior, who lived a life of obedience, showing us how to love one another. He felt our joys and our sorrows, kept company with those considered unworthy, and was put to death by those he loved. Yet rising again, he assures us of new life in you. We celebrate this meal as an offering of thanks and praise. We remember that on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. And in a similar manner, after they had supped, he took the cup and, giving it to them, said, This is the cup of the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of all. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. In the breaking of this bread and the sharing of this cup, we give ourselves to you. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these simple gifts and on all who gather at your table. Make us one in your spirit. Fill us with gratitude and wonder, justice and mercy, generosity and joy. Keep us faithful in following you, showing and sharing the love and peace that we have come to know in Christ. Until he comes again in glory to reign. We pray all of this in his name praying together the prayer that is common to us all. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day day our daily bread, and forgive us us our debts as as we forgive our debtors. Lead lead us us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For For thine is the kingdom, kingdom, and the the power, and the glory forever. Before we close in prayer, um, I want to uh, lift up a couple of things. First, those doors are a lot easier to open and close now. Uh, we, had, uh, we had a couple of guys here working on them this week. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what all they said and found, but they're easier to open and close now. And we praise God for that. Um, I was also asked uh, to lift up this morning uh, in prayer um, uh, Don and Bev Montgomery. Uh, Don is not doing too good uh, right now, um, and Bev asked for prayers for them. Um, So please keep them in prayer. as you heard during the children's sermon, we had quite an exciting day in our house yesterday. Atticus moved up to his advanced orange belt in Taekwondo, um, so we are very proud. Uh, but that was not the only excitement in our house this week. On Wednesday, Juma turned 18. Woo!
3: Terrified is
1: the better word, (laughs) but uh, we celebrated, and uh, we are just so proud of the young woman that she is growing into, Um, and I'm going to stop embarrassing her for now. Are there other joys or concerns to lift up this morning? Megan. Megan. If you are interested in strawberries, which who isn't? And go see, see Megan.
3: For,
1: for, for the future farmers of America. Uh, that's awesome. Good luck. Debbie. We pray for Debbie's co-worker, Deb, whose 92-year-old father has gone into hospice. And this decision is is hard. It's a difficult, difficult decision to make. Um, We pray for their comfort, for all of their comfort. Nancy. We pray for Nancy's brother and sister-in-law, Charles and Linda, who were in a car accident. Um, and they are fine, a few bumps and bruises and a broken wrist for Linda, but, um, but the 18-year-old on the motorcycle uh, did die. And we pray for that traumatizing situation for all and for the family uh, of that young man. Mickey. Ann and Peter, how are you doing? They they're not on um, their their cameras not on The last I heard Yeah, they sent they sent an email. Um, so Ann and Peter, I don't know if you can hear me. We hope that you are doing well.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> we are better. Good,
1: good. We hope we hope and pray that that tiredness passes soon.
3: Good. Thank you, yeah. Fred. Uh, prayers. We
1: pray for Fred's co-worker, Andrew, and his wife, Jen. Um, Circumstances and difficult times, we pray for them. Hannah. Dominica. Dominica. We pray for Hannah's uh, uh, co-worker, Dominica, uh, who is recovering from surgery. Chandra. Yes. It's not just for the chickens and not just for you. It's for all of us. Thank God for this sunshine, right? Amen, amen. Uh, Shannon and then Marianne. Celebrate with you, even in the anxiousness and the anticipation of having a car for the first time uh, in a long time. And uh, as you look to re enter the workforce, that's, uh, that's a great step. Marianne. We pray for Myra as they begin their treatment at uh, the concussion clinic. That's really great. Uh, we've been praying for that for a long time. Very good. Betty. say hi to Kenny. Yes. It is, it is good, Kenny, for you to be here, here, and not there. Uh, it is so good to see you, brother. Uh, Friends, let us pray. God of grace, we give you thanks for the meal that we have shared in your beloved community. As we have received the bread and the cup through the gift of your grace, send us forth in your spirit to share these gifts with others that they too may know and trust your presence, power, and love. God, hear all of our prayers lifted up to you, those spoken aloud and those that remain in the quiet of our hearts. We trust them in your heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to sing our final hymn, number 547, Go, my children, with my blessing. Beloved, as we leave this time of worship, as we leave this home and head to our earthly homes, may we go restored by a Father's love, encouraged by our brother Jesus' courage, and refreshed by the Holy Spirit, remembering who we are and whose we are. Amen. Amen.